there is over a trillion dollars of waste in supply chains today. The net zero carbon emission is something that corporates are taking very seriously. To meet these objectives, they're going to have to take into consideration CO2 emissions. Hey and welcome. This is Net Zero Carbon, the show at Freight Waves where we focus on decarbonization and we attempt to enlighten and sometimes entertain our listeners, always focusing on sustainable supply chains. Today I have the guest of honor, Cody Horchak, founder of Realized Truck Parking, joining me. Cody, how are you? I'm doing well, Tyler. Pleasure to be here and thanks for the invite. I'm really excited to have you on one because you're another Nashvillian, which is always fun to talk about. So we could probably fill this whole time just talking Nashville things, but we won't bore listeners there. Let's start with your backstory. Who are you? Where'd you come from? And give us the overview of Realized Truck Parking. Oh, absolutely. So um, yeah, we could definitely talk about Nashville for a while, but spare spare all the positive details why everybody should move here or live here. Um, but yeah, so my name's Cody Horchak. I actually moved to Nashville from Chicago um, a few years ago. While in Chicago, I started my first company. It was a company by the name of Zerve, which connected phones with physical assets. So opening doors, gates, turnstiles, um, cars, you name it. It was a really, it was a technology company that catered to transitioning keys from your pocket to your phone and then empowering the physical world to communicate with your phone. Um, have since exited that company and recently uh, started Realized Truck Parking. And Realized Truck Parking is catering to the lack thereof secure, public, safe um, truck parking around the world. You know, that I think there's no surprise that there's three and a half million trucks on the road, less than 300,000 truck parking stalls. Um, so we are bringing on truck parking sp stall spots at, at warp speed. Um, and at the same time, we are doing some fun things like electrification so that when trucks become um, electric or an alternative fuel, we will be there to support that transition as well. That is an exciting problem to be solving. And I think I see the link there maybe between what Zerv did and your background, maybe with the keys or the gates into how you landed on Realize. But maybe you would answer this question or could you answer this question? What's your background? Were you technology guy? Were you the the digital, like, was it your baby from an engineering, like a software standpoint? Or are you the idea guy and always connecting the dots? My background's finance. So out of college, I was in banking uh, for a few years and I've always been an ideas guy. So I see a problem. I like to think of ways to solve the problem. And if the idea to solve the problem was good enough, I turned it into a company and that was my first one. And that was all around the inefficiencies of sharing keys and badges and fobs and all that fun stuff. Um, and then through Zerve, we did come across some challenges within logistics. We did have logistics partners uh, in Zerve Psychology. Uh, it was just a seamless transition when um, when exiting that company, what was, what was next on the horizon new trucking, new logistics, new parking very well. And it just coercively, like cohesively came together. You rarely hear founders like jump right into the next thing where that's an immediate apparent opportunity. But why did, why did the lack of truck parking stand out to you as such a big issue worth solving? Well, honestly, it's an easy issue to solve. Um, some, some would argue with that, but we are just taking a very unique approach. So what we title ourselves is flexible truck parking. 
and we're the first and only in the market. And what that means is, think we work for truck parking. We go in and we lease underutilized assets, um, typically big state fairgrounds, convention centers, racetracks, motor speedways, stadiums, amphitheaters that are only used a few days a year, most of the time owned by states. Um, we lease them and we turn them into a truck parking lot. So we can go much faster than others. And and so it came across the problem and I was like, well, this is an easy solution. There's a lot of states who own a lot of real estate, conveniently located right off a highway, surface lots zoned and permitted for parking, including heavy, heavy vehicles or heavy equipment, and just connected the dots. And I was like, let's try. And we opened our first location at Las Vegas Motor Speedway uh, about two months ago are just uh, crushing it with occupancy. Uh, our biggest amenity is security. We have 24-7 security on site, so drivers love that. We also cater to a higher standard where a driver comes in, we say, thank you so much. It's a, it's a pleasure seeing you today. Can we get you a water? Can we get you a Powerade? Have a free shower, Go use the luxury restrooms. Um, and even better, if you want to leave your truck and cargo here, we're going to treat it as if it's our own. We're going to have eyes on it the whole time. We're going to make sure nobody messes with it. Go enjoy the the life of the city, whether that's restaurants, movies, um, you know, hospitality, you name it. And so drivers really, really like that. And we're just, we're excited that we're creating a new standard for truck parking and we can open up facilities way faster. We open Las Vegas Motor Speedway in 24 hours. And then the next 60 days, we're going to have another 13 locations across numerous states, Tennessee, Georgia, Kentucky, North Carolina, Texas, California, New Hampshire, and a few others, but it's hard to <laughs> go butt on. So we're going to have those all open. And once again, we'll open them in 24 hours. And we hope to have 75 lots in total by between now and December 31st. So man, that's exciting growth. And you, you're front running so many questions that I have here because we could take this a bunch of different directions. I, I always end up focusing on emissions and alternative fuels, but the the S in ESG is is really important here because we're talking about drivers and you just laid out a lot about driver experience and why this <clears throat> model would be superior to what drivers typically have to do. And I think our listeners would not be surprised, right? If you're driving down highways, you see trucks parked because there's no parking available. You see drivers sleeping in their cabs and sometimes they're they're owner operators and they invest in that and that's their lifestyle they choose. And it, it can be really comfortable in some of those cabs because they just live life on the road. But I wouldn't say that's the standard for the industry. I would say there's a lot more drivers who are in cabs that are not <clears throat> ideal living quarters that are really comfortable for them where they would prefer to be if they had another option. Um, so it's, it's clear that the problem is there. It's clear that it's a unique solution that I want to dig into more because it sounds like, you know, what's the unlock here? If the space was available and underutilized uh, and there's an opportunity for drivers to have more premium facilities, maybe, or at least safety and kindness and security and be nearer to activities as opposed to in between cities at a highway truck stop where there's really nowhere to go except the fast food and the restaurant that's on site. Um, it sounds like it solves a lot of those livability issues that drivers might experience. So what's the hardest part of executing that? Is it is it a technology play? Is that where the Zerv background came in? Or is it having access to get the spaces and tie it all together? No, I, I think the most difficult part is just we're new. Um, so it's building that brand, that reputation, and and then scaling that reputation while maintaining 
the equivalent standard. Um, so that's probably the most difficult part. Finding locations, simple. You know, we're very connected with all the venue management companies, all the states. We got we got venues for for years to come, um, and that's part of our commitment between now and 2030 to open 800,000 truck parking spots um, for parking. So you know, currently, there's only 300,000. And how many years did it take to build that? We're going to open 800,000 in the next seven years. So like we we got we're on a sprint, and we have the venues to support that. Um, but back to your question, like the hardest part is really when you do something that is so disruptive, aka the social side of of what you just mentioned, where drivers are actually treated with respect, tri- drivers are appreciated, drivers um, come in and they know somebody's looking out for them, they're not going to treat them bad, they're not going to, they're not going to, you know, try to take advantage of them, they're not going to do those things. Like, setting that up at one site and then scaling it to 75 and just maintaining that consistent experience, that's the most difficult thing. And that's what we're going to start experiencing. And like, I'm sure we're going to make mistakes, but at the end of the day, we're nothing without the drivers. The world is nothing without drivers. And we just want to provide a level of customer service, appreciation, and safety that they should have been having for the last few decades. Absolutely. Let's take the standards higher. I love that. Yeah. Do you envision, you mentioned, um, and I love this mental framework, we work for truck parking. Um, Is this a streamlined app service where they can reserve and go into any available spot? Do they, you know, what's the, that side of the user experience like from the, the tech and the kind of consistent branding you're talking about? Great question. So from a tech standpoint, we use other people's technology. So you'll find us on trucker path, um, Truck map, Tom, Tom Garmin, Google, Apple, right? So we're listed on all those platforms. And then from a from a reservation standpoint, we're also on, you know, the relay payments, the truck parking clubs of the world as as a as a listing platform. Uh, we don't really have any roadmap to developing our own mobile application, right? There's there's app fatigue, like everybody wants you to download an app. Um, you know, we want to support other entrepreneurs other businesses in the in the industry as well like that's one thing about logistics it's so competitive we want to come in with arms wide open where it's like hey truck parking club you have a great app you have a great customer base like we don't want to compete with you honestly we want to compliment you like we want to bring you in and we want to advertise with you and we just really want to have this arms wide open approach because you do that great and what we want to do great is we want drivers to be driven to our lot due to the status, to the customer service and security that they're going to get, which is consistent across all locations. Really cool. And I'm assuming the business model is based on rental, not rental fees, but overnight reservation fees, parking fees. Correct. Yep. So um, it, it, it aid parking. Uh, you can do daily, weekly, monthly. Um, you know, some of the locations only allow daily because it's a venue that has has some restricted dates other ones don't have any restrictions so we sell monthly and and even some in some situations annual um parking contracts for for fleets that are looking to just have have a secure facility to park their assets um but that's reserved uh, you can drive up and reserve in demand you can reserve in advance and yeah and just know that 
we're probably always going to have a spot available because some of these venues are thousands of acres large. <laughs> That's wild. That's wild. And exciting because it's clearly a problem. But if you're popping up solutions where people want to be, um, that's an interesting way to solve this problem. Do we see locationally, um, a lot of times truck parking pops up where drivers can get fuel along heavily, you know, traffic corridors and things like that. Is there an overlay at all you guys are looking at between the um, available spaces that are underutilized and where the freight is going? Have you guys done some of those studies? Absolutely. There are great resources. Every state publishes it every year where there's congestion and bottlenecks and, and freight. Um, so we overlay that. We overlay it with, with uh, convenience to fuel, but also convenience to food um, and other services, movie theaters, like little things. Just nobody wants to park their truck um, and then have to you know, go miles and miles out of their way to to, to enjoy the social part of life. And um, so we, we're really prioritizing proximity to some great amenities as well. Now that that narrows the field a little bit because it has to be off the highway within a few turns, the um, surface lots. So it's not always the perfect lot matchup, but we're thinking of creative ways and Ubering with, or excuse me, partnering with like Uber and those kinds of companies where you know driver comes in, parks their truck and their trailer and maybe we can we can give discounted rates on on car services to get them to where they can go just be social and get out very very cool and again driver livelihood and enjoyment of their working conditions is another key aspect of that offering oh okay it is a the one thing that really drives me in this business is how drivers are treated um it became very apparent to me early on how how businesses treat them how um other drivers on the road treat them how they treat each other and it just it really hurts me because this world would not be where it is without drivers um like everything around me everything around everybody was brought here by somebody you know we're, we live in a world now where very little things are built in close proximity to to a resident so it's all it's all brought in and brought over um or brought in by truck. So, uh, you know, that's one thing that just really drives me is how do we start treating the backbone of this country, which is logistics, like the Ritz Carltons and the high end individuals that they are. And it's little things. Our showers are very luxurious and they're free. And if you want to shower for six hours in hot water, I don't care. Have at it. Have <laughs> it. Make it a make it a personal sauna for all I care. Don't stop. <laughs> um, you know, you want to come in. Security guards are always going to be like, "Can we get you a Powerade? Can we get you a Dasani water? Can we get you something like beverages?" You know, we have we have aspirations to bring in you know, food as well. Not not like big gourmet meals, but things like popcorn and little bite sized snacks and just something that you, you just grab and just it's just it's complimentary. It's it's inviting have it. Thank you so much for coming here. And just, and you know, those little things contribute to, to a appreciation, higher satisfaction for the job, but also better um, camaraderie amongst drivers where you know, they don't feel like they're getting taken advantage of. They don't feel like they're getting ripped off by realize they feel like we are going above and beyond. And therefore they're usually nicer um, to one another as well. It'd be interesting as this grows to see kind of how that sense of community around some of these locations develops 
uh, and what ends up, I'm sure you guys will publish lots of stories on that once you get it up and running and scaling at the pace you want to. That would be a dream. You know, if, if realized truck parking locations could become a, like a micro community where everybody comes in, they come together. And, you know, if we could bring in cool amenities as well, like where just people congregate there and they get to know each other and they build relationships and they build a, additional business opportunities and collaboration. Like that's, that's the dream. That's exciting. Talk to me a little bit about, um, I know there's a ton of focus on this uh, from the government perspective, right? DOT sees it's an issue. Uh, I believe there was a White House announcement recently. Do you care to speak about some of the focus that this issue is getting at a governmental level? Yes. Um, so we've been endorsed at the highest levels of the government, um, both federally and at the state level. And you know, we, we've accepted a challenge. And that challenge is adding 800,000 truck parking stalls over the next seven years, but at the same time, um, partnering with the government to electrify 200,000 of them. Um, so that is a, that is a big challenge. I, we do acknowledge today that there's not a lot of electric trucks on the road and that there is a significant amount of concern regarding electric trucks, but you know, our EV chargers that are at locations today are still being used for things like um, reefer trucks where they don't need to run their ener- uh, generators to keep them cool. They can plug in and it saves a tremendous amount of diesel. Um, also, some trucks have the capacity to plug into a 30 or 50 amp service similar to an RV um, and run their refrigeration unit or their, excuse me, their air conditioning unit so they don't have to idle their engines. And, you know, idling your engines eight hours a night through Vegas, which is 100 degrees, it consumes a lot of diesel. Yeah. Um, Not great for the environment. Or the air you breathe either. Yeah. Not good for the environment, the air you breathe, and not good for people's checkbooks, right? That's the other thing. It's like, you know, that's, diesel is expensive. Electricity is not that expensive. So not only are you doing good for the environment, you're also doing good for your bottom line. You're making more money. Win, win, win is what we call that. The triple bottom line. This is what everybody's trying to put their eye on. Yeah. And the government, we, we're, we're so appreciative of the support um, of the endorsements that we've received, uh, the, from the white house to senators, to Congress, uh, men and women, it's just, it's, it's amazing. And, you know, they're really pushing it. And there's a couple things, there's grants to expand truck parking. There's grants to electrify. There's, there's grants to build up, um, rural businesses. So most trucking goes through rural little towns and there's not a lot of amenities there for them. Um, and there are grants that you know, we're looking at that contribute to the economic development of those rural areas, but also solving uh, the lack of parking for for drivers. Yeah, it's hitting on so many fronts here under this ESG umbrella, and we've already touched on the social a little bit. I want to keep focusing here on the on the electrification alternative fuel piece for just a minute because that is so buzzy <clears throat> at the moment. It's buzzy for a reason, right? Because we're seeing announcements, we're seeing policies, we're seeing grants. To your point. Um, it, it's clearly coming. And the question is how fast and where? So when you guys look at that space, are you guys, I'm sure, like a lot of other announced real estate electrification plays, like looking at West Coast, looking at states where we see those maybe uh, electrification corridors starting to emerge first? Is that how you guys think about going after that play or is it is it a different angle? It's actually a very different angle. Um, we're putting 20% of all parking spots at any realized location we're electrifying. Um, so, 
So obviously there's a lot more electric trucks in California and in port cities um, because that's what they're being used for, not over the road. Um, however, with our commitment and our acceptance to the challenge and to the environment, you know, for every for every 10 stalls we have, two of them are going to be electrified. Um, the beauty of our solution as well, which is unique to realize, is it doesn't cost us very much to put them in. Where other locations have to invest in infrastructure, aka supply from the utility provider to get these chargers in, we have venues. So venues are conveniently located right off the highway. They have surface lot, but almost as critical for our business model is they have a tremendous amount of supply from the utility provider. They have the grid to support it. Usually the grid is isolated. Usually it has the distribution substation right on property for, for megawatts of power. So we don't have to invest hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars in laying the infrastructure to support putting in 80 EV chargers at a lot. It's already there. We just have to pay for the energy consumption. Really, really interesting tweak there to the model and very important for listeners to understand because you're right. Not only is that an expensive proposition, but it takes forever. <laughs> it takes a long time, which you can't pop up in 24 hours like you guys did with Vegas. Yeah, no. I, well, yeah, and we popped up multiple EV chargers in Vegas in 24 hours because they it was you just plug it right in like you'd plug a power um, extension cord into a wall receptacle and it, it was it's amazing um you know I heard a statistic the other day and I you, you fact check me on this but okay okay good um five DC fast chargers in a single lot is enough power to chart to run 20 waffle houses for a month it's, it's, unbelievable. It's, it's unbelievable. So when you look at the infrastructure, we'll just continue with Waffle House. I don't know why that was the example that was given. Um, but if Waffle House wanted to put in a five EV chargers, do they even have the cabling to support that? If not, they have to rip up all the cabling. They have to rerun conduit. They have to do all this other stuff. So expensive, time-consuming delays, yada, yada, yada. Um, and still, they probably could only get five. Well, if all trucks went electric... And it all takes three to four hours to charge them. You need a lot more than five. You need a lot more than five. <laughs> so you need a lot more than five. And you know some of the facilities that we have already identified are, are already on the roadmap to go live. They have 20 megawatt supplies. Supply. They have 35 megawatt supply. That is an unbelievable amount of power. That is 100 chargers, fast chargers, sprinkled in with... A, a few level two chargers and you're still not even flinching. Um, so granted we need the utility providers to catch up, to be able to pull that much from, from the grid. Um, but you know, they're, they're solving that in really, really unique ways. And, um, we're solving the distribution of EV chargers. So by the time the market catches up, you know, there's going to be no concern of where you need to stop to charge your truck. That's so exciting. This is a, a great solution to multiple problems, tying them all together and hopefully a nice pretty boat here. Um, I appreciate we're coming up on time and I want to save, I always ask my favorite question at the end of every episode. So I want to make sure we get to it. But Cody, when, when you get up and you start focusing on this problem and popping up 75 stations over the next, by the end of the year, wh why does it matter that like sustainability is core to what you guys do? What's your personal motivation for tackling this problem? It would be the social aspect. It would be the sense of community. It would be showing that respect 
to the backbone of America. You know, you go in and you see you see people in the armed forces and you go up to them and you say thank you for their service. At you know, that should be an equivalent to to drivers, um, to truck drivers and people in logistics. Thank you for doing this job that takes you away from your family, that puts you on the road. It's lonely, it's long. Um, you know, sometimes the pay is good, sometimes the pay is not so good, but just thank you. And if I can just pass that on, hopefully they can pass that on in the community. And all of a sudden we build this, this network of prestige around being a truck driver, because right now there's that prestige is missing. And, and realistically, it should probably be one of the most prestigious jobs in the U S because it's the most critical. That's a really encouraging answer. Um, and I think a, certainly a worthy and noble cause, especially considering the population of professional drivers is typically one of the most common jobs at a state level. That it, It's not a small population of people we're talking about serving here. So um, I certainly appreciate and admire that that aim that you have personally and for the company. And I really, really look forward to seeing how um, Real Life Truck Parking grows and would love to have you back on towards the end of the year once we've got some more stations up, get some more feedback live from the road and hear how the drivers are enjoying it. Love that. And, you know, my only ask to to your audience is give us ideas too. Like our best idea engine right now is from the drivers. Um, they come in and they're like, hey, you know, you should look at this. The The whole um, Uber idea came from somebody who was like, hey, if we park in your lot, it would be cool if we could have like Turo cars lined up because we can't drive our truck into Las Vegas. So maybe we rent a car for for two hours and we take it down to the strip or we take it out to to go hiking or or whatever the case may be. These are ideas like we love this. We're building a community. We're not we're not like there's a business aspect to it, but more importantly, there's a community aspect. So um Great points. How can we point listeners to to reach out and provide that feedback? What's the best way for them to get in touch with you or realize truck parking? Definitely our website. Um, so our website is werealize.io and that's W-E-R-E-A-L-I-Z-E dot I-O. Um, so that's that's kind of the parent website. You know, you can find specific sites um on there, or if you're in market, you can just Google realize truck parking and then the closest one in proximity to you will come up. Um, but ideas, uh, you know, please, any and all. We will definitely link to all that in the show notes as well and uh, make sure people can find you and submit some of those questions. Cody, thanks for taking the time to talk to me and the listeners. Admire and encourage what you're doing and can't wait to talk again. Thank you, Tyler, for having me and um, really excited for this journey that we can build together here. Cheers. Take care. There is over a trillion dollars of waste in supply chains today. The net zero carbon emission is something that corporates are taking very seriously. To meet these objectives, they're going to have to take into consideration CO2 emissions.